we basically went through a practice, right? A practice of um, accessing your own innate awareness um, easily. And um, that practice was basically using the body, using uh, the perceptions of the body. Yesterday we talked about um, hearing and breathing and sense of the feet on the floor. Um, but you can use an, any senses you'd like. Um, but the purpose of that is uh, it gives the mind something to do. The mind likes something to do. So here, here it is. Uh, pay, you know, just notice, notice your breath, notice, notice your feet on the floor. So the mind feels happy. And uh, so we're not opposing it. We're not telling it to stop talking to itself, you know, think better thoughts, whatever. Um, we're just, we're giving it something to do, but what we're giving it is non-conceptual. You know, we're not giving it anything that um, encourages its use of the thinking process. Because just noticing the hearing, noticing the breath, noticing the feet on the floor, I mean, you don't have to, no thought is required. And since no thought is required, whatever thought does arise, we can say, okay, well, that's not necessary for what I'm doing at the moment, and just gently come back to the practice. So that's, I mean, it's something that you can do anytime, anywhere. It's not, um, you know, it's not really mysterious at all. It's, it's just um, occupying the mind in a non-conceptual way. And by doing that, it's, you've, you've sort of set aside the, all of that thinking, psychological process, and you're left with, you know, very simple things, you know, just the noticing. And then it's often much easier to um, distinguish the, the awareness that's actually noticing from the perception itself. So that, that's the whole purpose of it. Giving away the whole secret here. But it, it's just, um, it's a useful practice because it's easy to do. You can do it anytime, you know, low, low capital cost. Um, I mean, you can do it in really just a few minutes. And, um, you know, after a while, you, you, uh, you don't need a long lead-in of, you know, paying attention to this perception and that perception. It, it can just be, okay, the breath is here and awareness is here and just drop right into it and you know so you can do it you know while you're waiting for the red light to change I mean you can do it you don't need an hour <laughs> um, so I wanted to mention one other practice that's uh, I would say equally effective um, you know it's you know you could use one or the other or both or I'm sure there's other practices but these are these are two really good ones um, and um, some people like Nisargadatta used this one that I'm going to talk about this morning briefly um, as, as his entire practice from start to finish. And um, the practice is just uh, to stay, remain with the sense of I am. Just that. Okay. Anything you add after the word I am is not true. <laughs> you know, I am unhappy, I am depressed, I am, you know, confused, I am whatever. Whatever comes after I am 
um, you can see that the mind's engaged in it. But the I am itself is, um, it's not ultimately true, but it's as close as the mind can get, right? And it's, it's something that we can, uh, most people can fairly easily sense into. You know, I may not know what the purpose of my life is. I may not, you know, understand my, how my mind operates. I may not understand a lot of things, but one thing I can be certain of is I am, right? I am, I exist, I'm alive in this moment. Just that raw sense. Um, and notice any, anything that the mind does to try to qualify that is a limitation. You know, even the, even the term, I am happy. I mean, that's nice. But, you know, what you're basically saying is, I, the entirety of what I am, equals happiness. And that's not true. I mean, sometimes we're happy and sometimes we're not. You know, so it, it's, any, anything that we add qualifies it, which means it limits it. But the I am is... Um, you know, just two little words, three letters. But they're both quite mysterious, right? You know, what is this thing I call I? And what is this sense of beingness? You know, the, this certainty that somehow whatever this is, whatever is, I, there's a knowing that I exist somehow. You know, we may not be able to say exactly what that is or where that arises from or where it's going to or anything else, but we can say with certainty that I exist. And the reason you can say it with certainty is because you can't say the opposite, right? You can't say, no, I don't exist, right? You'd have to exist to be able to say, no, I don't exist, right? So, it, I mean, it's the one sort of undeniable thing that we can say with certainty about ourselves. And then, and then just the practice is really just recognizing sort of the, that as a raw statement. It's not the end point, it's a doorway, right? So it's just staying with that sense of just, I am, I exist, I'm present here now, you don't have to worry about the here now part because you can't get away from that. But just, just that sense of being present, alive, now. There may be all kinds of other things, circumstances, thoughts, ideas, busy mind, whatever, you know, toothache, whatever's happening. But then there's a sense of yes and still there's this I am. Right? So, and then the practice is just noticing any tendency to pull, pull us away from just that simple, it's really an inquiry. It's a statement, but it's also an inquiry, like what is, what is that? What is that I, and what is that sense of am, beingness, aliveness, however you want to say it. So it's just that, and that just, um, opens us up into the mystery of what, what that is, the sense of self and the sense of beingness, the sense of aliveness. So again, it's just a really simple practice that, you know, we can 
come back to often during the day, like I wonder, wonder in this moment, you know, what is, what is this that's alive here, you know, eating my sandwich, you know, walking down the street. You know, so this is different than mindfulness. Mind, mindfulness is still focused on the object, right? This is sort of turning backwards into what, what it is that's having this experience, whatever it is. So just this simple sense of beingness. Right? So again, uh, as we said yesterday, the mind doesn't like these kind of exercises. So, but at least uh, this exercise, like the one where, you know, we can give the mind something to do by focusing on perceptions. Again, we give some, the mind something to do rather than stop thinking, which doesn't work very well because we're opposed to thinking and it's just another thought anyway. Now we're, we're allowing a thought, but a very, very condensed thought. Again, it gives the mind something to do, something to anchor it. Just this sense of I am, okay, again, I can sense into that without trying to make a story about it, you know, without trying to philosophize about it or wondering, you know, what it implies, just to be with that sense in as pure a way as you can, just, to, just the essence of it, right? So two, two very easy practices you could Try one, try the other, but um, do it do it out of curiosity rather than demanding a result. Right? You, you feel the difference in that? Like I'm just doing this to really get the answer. That's that's what I'm doing it for, just so I can be done with this <laughs> process and go back to sleep. That's what I want. No, it's just out of curiosity. I really wonder what it is that. I am. Just that, just that sense of curiosity. Right? I can really, I really wonder. Because if we don't know what I am, what we are, why are we doing what we're doing? If we haven't answered that question, what's all the other activity about? To what end? That's that's the that's the suggestion. You know, just two very simple practices. Know that the mind will get restless. Know that it'll get bored. Know that it'll get sleepy. The top three ways the mind can <laughs> ignore what you're doing. <laughs> Type three. Top three ways. It's, it's, it's best mechanisms of resistance, boredom, restlessness, and sleepiness. So you can just see that. Okay, there's the mind doing that thing again. It's just what it does. You know, and then we can come back to, you know, something that's just very solid, you know, just a perception, sensation. Come back to that simplicity. 
But, um, you know, just staying with something that simple um, is difficult. Because <laughs> the mind wants to say, okay, I got that, you know, I can do that. Tell me what's next. Tell me the, the, the good stuff. <laughs> that is the good stuff. That's, that's, that's the whole, that's enough to get you there. Either one of those. But consistently, you know, with, you know, real intention, Okay, um, let's see if there's anything anyone would like to talk about. Rachel? Going. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But where does it go to? Let's figure it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I'm going to have a whole whatever amount of minutes to figure it out. Okay. I, I'll, I'll give you a shortcut <laughs> here. <laughs> the shortcut is that you'll never figure it out. You know, and it may take a lot of trying to figure it out to come to that realization. You know, if the mind is curious and is, you know, a quick mind and an intelligent mind, um, that, that may be our path, you know, to sort of wear it out, to, you know, look and look and look and look. And, and at some point, um, we can come to the realization that that isn't the medium by which knowing will come. No, knowing doesn't mean knowing stuff. It, there's just a sort of a knowing a knowingness there. Um, but it's, it, it doesn't, I mean, this process, we can't sort of um, shortcut it in a, in a way. We can't, um, you know, if, if the mind's tendency is to try to figure it out, we can watch that happening, but we can't um, say, okay, I know the solution to this. I'll just believe that uh, all of those thoughts aren't true and, you know, I'll be done. But it, that, that, again, unless we actually know that to be true, then that's just the next belief, right? Yeah. So sometimes we just, if that's our um, tendency, I mean, like I said, you know, it's um, a challenge, you know, for minds that are intelligent and, and are good at thinking and have been rewarded by thinking. That's... That's sort of the tendency to go in that direction, um, but it, um, you know, it's it's like how many roads do we have to go down before we realize that there's not, you know, the payoff at the end of that path, and we back up and we try another one and back up, and at some point we begin to get suspicious that maybe, maybe that um, modality doesn't work. 
you know, because it, you know, what what we discover isn't uh, isn't conceptual. It's not a it's not a concept. It's reality. You know, the con the concepts are only, you know, our minds attempt to, you know, reduce the mystery to something that um, it's comfortable with. Yeah, well, good, good. It's good to be able to see that, you know, see, okay, that's just how the, the mind over some years has been able, has been trained. It's paid off in a lot of ways, right? You know, we can acknowledge that, be grateful for that. And then just see that maybe in this area that we're talking about, um, that's um, not the right tool for the job. You know, you know so we're not, we're not dismissing thought and, you know, cognition or any, in any way. I mean, it's obviously, a, a, you know, an amazing tool. Um, but it's just not, you know, the right tool for, you know, looking beyond what the mind is able to do. Because the mind, the mind thinks, right? The mind, all of that's in words. You know, we string the words together in our head or we speak it out loud. But all, all of those words are concepts. So now we're looking about something that's non-conceptual. And so it's beyond that mental capacity of the mind to get there. It's what we are, but, um, you know, the mind, you know, want, it wants to hold on to its managerial role, you know. So that that's why it resists that uh, any practice that you know sort of begins to acknowledge anything beyond the mind mind not comfortable with that you know af after a while it'll it'll sort of settle into its rightful position which is you know it's a great servant it's just a terrible master yeah. So when it, when it finally sort of recognizes that it still has a role, you know, we can still come back to it when we need it, but that um, a lot of the time we don't. A lot of the time we just, the aware, I mean, we don't, we don't need the thinking mind to walk from here to your car, right? You can see, see the car, you can walk and move your legs and get to your car, you know, we don't. It doesn't, you know, we don't have to think now left and then right and then left. <laughs> you know, we don't have to measure how far we have to go. We don't have to, you know, all of that's just. So what we do with that space when we don't actually need the mind, then we think about, you know, past, future. But most of the time we don't. We can function perfectly well. We, d we do it when we're driving. I think that's why most people don't mind driving. I mean, we may not like driving in traffic or heavy rain or something, but generally driving is sort of a you know, relatively pleasant experience. You know, plenty of visual input going by, you know, gives the mind something to do. And uh, the mental process really isn't needed. You know, so we can do other things. We can listen to music, we can talk on the phone, we can, 
thing, whatever. But bas basically, we're operating from awareness. In terms of driving, we're operating from awareness. We're not talking to ourselves about driving, you know, about, oh, here comes a red light. Oh, watch out for that car on the right. You know, the awareness just deals with it. Do you ever take those, um, you know, when you first took your driver's test, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to have a mathematical problem like, you know, stopping distance. You know, if you're driving 50 miles an hour and your reaction time is, you know, 0.5 seconds and, you know, how long does it take you to stop? And, you know, there's some answer, I don't know, 87 feet, you know. But when you're driving, are, are you doing the math? You know, it's just, it's just visual. It's just... Um, you, you see and you respond. You know, the body's conditioned to be able to interpret this vast amount of in, input, which is recognized by awareness and the body responds. Beautiful. Yeah. But if we were trying to do it mentally, <laughs> you know, trying to do those calculations in our head, like, do I have time to stop? Let me think. 0.5 times <laughs> crash. <laughs> yeah. We can look around, and everything that we can see, except the, I don't know, 16 people in this space here, is operating non verbally well. You know, so the and, you know, way back when in our ancestral past, I mean, we did the same thing. But, you know, along the line, one of the things that evolved was this ability to uh, think and um, form concepts. And that has, you know, it's like a lot of um, improvements. <laughs> there's some positive benefits and there's some downside to it. You know, so... I mean, the, the positive benefits are clear. I mean, it's a, it allowed this, our civilization to evolve. You know, it's allowed our species to not only survive, but, you know, survive spectacularly. Um, but it's also, um, you know, created basically all the problems that are <laughs> currently pushing us to our own demise, right? So, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword, like, like a lot of things. But um, it's not that the tool is bad, right? It's not that the thinking is bad. You know, I know, I know some spiritualities, you know, thinking is the bad guy. Just get rid of it and you'll be fine. But it's not that the thinking is bad. It's, it's a useful tool. It's just when we believe it, When it, when it tells us things about ourselves and about the world and, you know, our place in it. And, you know, that's, that's, where, it, that's where it gets corrupted. And it's led to this um, inflated sense of ourselves as a human race, you know, this concept of dominion over all other species. You know, you talk about a dangerous assumption you know, so what are the consequences just of that one 
one, you know, perpetuated belief, just one, and the consequences of that, you know, how, you know, that can justify, you know, pollution of the air, pollution of the earth, pollution of the rivers, pollution of our food. So just one belief. You know, so, you know, it's not that the tool is bad, it's how, how we use that tool. It's just like, you know, a chainsaw in the right hands, beautiful tool. Wrong hands, not so good. Yeah, it's not, it's not that thinking is the issue, it, it's what, what thoughts are, are believed. Yeah. And that's, that's really the, um, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I mean, spirituality can feel like a selfish endeavor, right? You know, I'm doing this for my own peace and happiness. And, you know, I'm sort of ignoring the world. I'm just working on myself here. And uh, from the outside, and maybe for some years, it can look like a very selfish, self-oriented endeavor. Because what we're looking for is what this self is, right? <laughs> so you could say it is, it is self-oriented, absolutely. But when we truly discover what this self really is as awareness and we come to realize that the awareness that's functional here is also already functional in everyone, everything actually, then, you know, who is me and them? You know, who is, you know, if I, if I hurt another person or I hurt the earth or I hurt, you know, who am I hurting? If there's not an other, if it's all, if it, the recognition truly is, it's all one thing. Who, who you know, who would I even you know, imagine that I would hurt? You know? So, you know, that that recognition ultimately brings us to a place where um, where laws or politicians can't get us to, you know, because, you know, laws and politicians are, are what they are, but they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, manage it from a rule-making kind of place. You know, it's like in the old... Soviet Union, when they were trying to do that with the economy, it didn't work well. You know, it didn't work nearly as well as giving everybody the right to, you know, um, work, <laughs> produce, fulfill their dreams. <laughs> trying to manage it from the top down is, is um, different. It feels different than people interacting with each other, knowing that the other person is not other than themselves, that, you know, the appearance is certainly different, manifestation is different, but underlying everything, this awareness is undifferentiated. You know, so that then 
you know, if there were, you know, significant number of people, who knows what that is, but who recognized that, what would the world look like? You know, how would people interact with each other? You know, because, I mean, we can, we can make, you know, laws about, you know, certain, you know, racial inequities, gender inequities, all, all, all this. But, you know, the, the fundamental, you know, recognition of what, you know, each of us truly are just cuts all of that. You know, to try to do it from the top down with loss, fine, you know, but it's not, ultimately, it's not, it's not the ultimate solution. Maybe fine, you know, it's an interim thing, you know, good. But, you know, ultimately, until there's a recognition of what we are, is undifferentiated life, right? Living as... You know, this form looks like this, that form looks like that. You know, the incredible diversity of life, beautiful. You know, some, some manifestations might agree more with, you know, my conditioning, others not so much. But, you know, if the recognition is beneath all of that peripheral, There's this underlying connection, you know, that we're all, all here living this existence. With all its challenges, with all its wonders, all its joys, all its opportunities, all its hardships. You know, it's, it's, that recognition is the basis for compassion. You know, where the compassion isn't you know, you're not doing it for spiritual reasons. You're not doing it to get yourself into heaven. You're not doing it for any reason other than it doesn't make any sense to do anything else. You know, so those things that we see as, you know, spiritual virtues like love or compassion, you know, generosity, kindness, all, all of that, you know, it's not done for, I mean, if we're doing it for a reason, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's not really a virtue, is it? You know, we're doing it for, you know, to feel better personally. We're doing it for, you know, spiritual merit points. We're doing it for, but when it's, when it's really understood what it is, it's, it's not done for any reason at all. It's just, what, why would you do anything else? It's not done for a benefit. You're not doing it to fix anybody else. You know, when you, underst when you really understand that everybody's deepest nature is already It's already pristine, it's already at peace, it's already 
yeah, the manifestation may be taking some time to, you know, work itself out to see through it. Okay. That, that is the journey of life, right? But the recognition is at, at, the, at the source, at the essence of what we are. There's nothing to fix. It's not even a question of worthy, unworthy. It's not even in the same arena. You know, it's just that awareness is already at peace. That the awareness is already um, caring, is already attentive, is already loving. You know, that that's the movement of it. You know, as it moves into life, as as is, it's just without attributes at all. That's why it can encompass everything. <laughs>